Welcome to the Tone That Made Us podcast. Each week, the Dan Cav and I delve into the gear journeys of some of our favorite artists. It usually leads to a week of back and forth texts as one of us scheming to buy something mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> Today's guest is an absolute on our level gear nut. He started the band Hagfish with his brother, then joining bands like Guar, mm -hmm. Only Crime, Armstrong, Mag7, and most well-known as the guitarist songwriter for the mighty Rise Against. Welcome our straight edge brother and our friend, Zach Blair. Hey guys, thank you so much. Hello. You know, I, I do have to stop you. You, 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 you left one band out and you left out this band with Walter too. Walter and I have a band together. And I listened and I was like, oh, they're going to mention Vanishing Life. I didn't mention Vanishing Life. I'm in a band with Walter Schreifels. The great unforgotten band. Or the great forgotten band. <laughs> the great Walter's, Walter's well, going to kick my ass for that. You know, we did we did the one record and we've all talked about um, getting around to doing another one. But since we did that record, you know, Jamie Miller, the drummer, is now in Bad Religion. And then Autry Fulbright, right. the bassist, is in off so he joined off uh jamie joined bad religion walter got quicksand back together of course rise against is constantly being rise against so we just haven't had a chance to get back to to doing it but it is something we want to keep doing anyway i i, I decided awesome. it was a great record oh thank yeah, you so much i decided cool. i would correct you at the top and be a total <laughs> no no it's good it's but good. when it comes to like walter if we got to vanishing point that's like or vanishing life it's 57 bands into i know his career would have been half the podcast I know. rattling and, off names. And all of his bands are good. They're all good because they all have that Walter yeah. flair to it. You know, it was such an honor for me to. Uh, we never talked about game. Walter Schreifels and the motorcycles. Uh, there you go. We didn't get into, we didn't really get into his solo record either, but. Um, you you know, know, speaking of gear, last time I talked to him, it was, uh, we were in Austin, Texas. He was there, which is where I live. And we went over to a buddy's of, of his house who had a studio and the guy, even though I am, as you, yeah, as you have aforementioned, I am a gear nut. There was this weird Gretsch solid body that they did in the seventies to sort of answer to, you know, like a Norlin era Gibson or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know the model of this guitar. It looked like a piece of furniture. It was just a wood grain, natural wood, double cutaway, solid mm -hmm. body Gretsch guitar. And Walter was like, at the time, he's like, I, I needed a guitar that's just mine that no one else has. And he was playing that thing all day. He's like, I think I'm going to play these. These are going to be my new thing. But of course he didn't do it. So. Yeah, no. yeah. He goes back to the freaking Jaguar that he was playing. Yeah. That jazz master he was playing that we couldn't figure out the switches for the night they played that Brooklyn House oh Band God. show. Well, you know. In, we thought in, his amp was blown up. In uh, Vanishing Life, he used he used uh, like a, a harmony. It was either a harmony mm -hmm. or a silver tone. And he just he used that on the record. And it actually was really great. You could put anything in that dude's hands. Yeah, it's yeah, sound sure. good. Drive sure. me nuts. Sure. I used a tele. I used a Telecaster and a Rickenbacker on that album. I didn't use a humbucker on that entire record. I just wanted to really? do that. Yeah, I wanted nice. to have a record where I didn't use a humbucker because I've only ever, you know what I mean. I was like, no, nah, fuck it. Yeah. This one, I'm I'm adhering to an aesthetic. You know, which anyway. Rick? 
Uh, it was a 360. Actually, it was it. It wasn't mine. It was uh, the the uh, producer is a guy named Davey Warsaw who has a really great band called Sharp Shock, sort of a tongue twister. And um, he had he's a British guy and he's he's like a huge Paul Weller acolyte. And uh, he he had this Rick 360. And then Jamie Miller had a Telecaster. Jamie also was in Trail of Dead, and you will notice by the Trail right. of Dead. And he played guitar as well. So he had played drums for half their set and, and guitar for half their set. One of those and guys. He's one of those guys. Yeah. So he'd always play tellies. And so he had one. So I was just like, I'm using this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're big telly fans. I, I am too, man. I got a too. half a dozen of them. And I don't play them in bands more than I probably should. Right. Right. Yeah. I, have I, have, two I have one. I have two Nash tellies. And, uh, Nice. Man, the, the Nash stuff is so good. Shout out to uh, Britain, Britain Nash over at Nash Guitars. Oh, oh yeah, shit. such good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go back in time. Um, you know, I, I know you've <laughs> listened to the podcast. We always kind of start off with, what was the first time you saw, not a band, not a player, but like a musical instrument that inspired you to want to play? Oh God, oh uh, that's a good. That's a good question. So, so my father was a radio DJ for a living. That's all he ever did my entire life. Oh, wow. So he, he was a uh, radio announcer, um, but he had the classic rock like request show. So as long as I can remember, my dad had, had his show and he would go to work at like 10 PM. He was always working at nights and he'd get off in the morning. He'd sleep during the day. Um, so classic rock and acid rock and heavier stuff was ubiquitous in our house. Like my dad's favorite bands were the harder of the ilk, you know, um, so like blue cheer and, you know, vanilla fudge and black Sabbath and, and this, those sort of, um, pre metal was, and it sounds like I'm saying that just to make him sound cool, but he actually really was. Cool. That's pretty rad. It was great. And so, so, so guitar music and loud guitar music and, and, and guitar in general was just ubiquitous. It was just, it was just always sort of, as soon as sort of I came online, you know, I, I remember that just being sort of a, like I was the only kid, I was the only kindergartner that knew who Jimi Hendrix was. And I would talk about it. You know, I remember talking about this like superhero that no one else knew, you know, who, who he was. Um, but, but we, my dad, of course, was watching Woodstock um, on PBS, and I was like four or five. And I remember, and I know you asked for a guitar, but I think it was all sort of all encompassing. It was all one, one thing. I saw the Who's performance. And that also sounds like some made up origin, you know, superhero story. But I saw Pete Townsend in the white jumpsuit with the SG special. And, you know, the whole thing where he's doing the weird solo and he's like jumping and smashing it into his stomach, which I always thought was so cool. Yeah. And I always wanted to attribute it on stage, but I would probably just not have to win out of myself. And pass <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, uh, but I remember thinking then that's what I want to do. You know, that that it was so fantastic and it was so amazing. And I'd never seen an adult act that way. And also it was scary. You know, there was a certain danger level to it. Um it just scratched all of the itches that my adolescent brain had. It's like, oh, an adult, you can do that with for a job, you know? <laughs> you can, because I've always been, you know, had a penchant for, you know, attention. And here's this person that's got everyone's attention, 
He's acting insane. He's acting kind of a little dangerous. The music is great. My dad loves it. It's impressing my father, which is all I ever wanted to do. And I mean, that was my earliest memory as as uh, uh, for what I ended up doing. And I never, ever, I don't, I never wanted to do anything else after that. I just didn't. And I didn't know how I was going to do it because I was in Sherman, Texas, which is, you know, it, is actually God forsaken. And you were like uh, six. Yeah, I was like six. Like, I don't know how the fuck <laughs> I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And Pete Townsend's been my idol and the Who have been my favorite band ever since. It's like that thing where, you know, everybody gets me Who shit for my birthday and Christmas and stuff. Like, oh, there's a Who paperweight or whatever. You know, it's been like that my whole life. It's 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, it could be yeah. worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. Nice. So what was... Uh... What was your first musical instrument then? Oh boy. Um, it was guitar. My dad got me an acoustic uh, that was, you know, a piece of shit. And of course the action was like, you know, you could see, you know, from the strings to the neck. I was nine years old. This, the case was so big, I could get inside of it. You know, I was always a little weird, skinny fucking little guy. And I, I didn't get, I couldn't get serious about it for a while because I couldn't fucking play the thing. You know, I couldn't even get, I couldn't even push the strings down. I was just like, Oh shit. You know, like I didn't think it this far through. Um, And so when I was 11, I wasn't letting it go. I was like, kind of like, unfortunately my dad had a coworker that was a guitar player. I was like, man, you got to get him an electric guitar. Like this, he's never going to be able to play this thing. And he did. And it was like a harmony rocket or, uh, actually, no, it wasn't. It, I don't remember. It was just one of those like, TSCOs or something like that. It was like it was like a shot at a jazz master. It was that sort of offset, you know, yeah. um, real similar to the guitar that that Walter was playing on the Vanishing Life record, actually. <laughs> uh, but I had that, and then you know, and I could play it. It was easy to play, and I, you know, I could actually like sort of uh, you know, fake my way through an anthrax with, you know. Which is what starts with the thrash. Yeah, I mean, it's what we're all doing still to this day. (laughs) Very true. So, what, what, what kind of amps were you playing? Were you? How long was it before you actually got an amp to play through? Were you one of those guys that had the guitar, but didn't have the amp yet? For sure. Yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, up in North Texas, um, there is a place in Southern Oklahoma called uh it's in durant oklahoma um also godforsaken and they had a guitar store a music store where the guy would would i i I still i mean i I don't know who this man was i forgot the name of the store but they would let you pay out like a layaway program but they would let you take the stuff with you Right. So my family was always crazy broke. Like we grew up in apartment complexes. My dad was a radio DJ. My mom was a florist. You know, neither one was exactly bringing home the big bucks. And my brother is a, is a bass player. He's a still, he's a professional bass player he's in the band, the Toadies. And we started Hagfish together. We started Only Crime together. Um, and he does it for a living as well. So he was a bassist and he wanted amps. And we both wanted guitars and basses and stuff. And so when we figured this out, um, my dad could pay like 20 bucks a month or whatever, you know, and he'd be in debt to this guy for years, but he was like, shit, all right, let's go do it. So we, we got like PV, I think I had like a PV bandit, um, which, you know, I mean, the South in the eighties 
Like you weren't getting away from PV, man. No, it was Mississippi Marshall. Exactly. You were PV powered. And, you know, um, so I had a PV bandit and then my brother, I can't remember the one he had. Wasn't if I'm if I'm wrong, isn't there a PV TKO? TKO, the base yeah. series, yeah. The base series. So my brother had that. TNT and TKO were the base right. series. Right. Now yeah. my brother had the TKO and I had just this is the PV band. It, yeah and you know it, it would break up like you you could get some some crunch out of it you should get some distortion out of it you know yeah, yeah. I, i'm not gonna lie i still love the pv bandit i mean it's not a bad amp and it's i had not that a thing, bad amp at all i had that thing for fucking ever i do yeah. remember that i do They're bulletproof yeah. do, you, do you ever see the uh i don't think we ever talked about this on the podcast you ever uh watch that show undercover boss yes yes and they did, did that episode did you see the pv one no i did not they did a pv episode Wow. Hartley's stepson, who then went on to run the company, went undercover, like the people in the factory. It was almost like, do you ever see the spoof, the Saturday Night Live spoof yes. of undercover boss with Darth Vader? With, yes. uh, with, yeah. With, uh, Adam, Kylo, uh, Kylo, Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. Yeah. And he's like... Adam Driver? Yeah, he's like, whatever his name is, is an asshole. And yeah, he's like, yeah, 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 I knew it was him all along. <laughs> like, everybody at PV knew it was him knew all along. it was along. this guy. Yeah, it was it was a terrible disguise. Like sometimes they pull out. it off. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. So there bad. were a lot of comments about everything after the fact, and a lot of people uh, saying whether or not they felt that that started leading to the like demise of PV as it was at the, at that point. Oh no shit! Yeah. Well, you got check, catch it on YouTube. It's really good. I I now have to see it. I, as far as metal goes, I mean, it, it seems to be sort of the gold standard now as a PV, you know, sixty five oh five or you know, oh, their, yeah. their vintage. The I have one of the, yeah. I have one of the fifty one fifties, like the original, you know, PV fifty one fifty. It's before the EVH uh, switchover, and then when I had gone back, since we're talking about PV, when I went back to Guar a few years back. Um, after unfortunately Corey Smooth that had replaced me years before, uh, he had passed away, and I needed yeah. I, I went back to help them write and record um, their Battle Maximus record. Um, I just bought a sixty five oh five at like Guitar Center while I was yeah. there just to have you know to have an amp, and I used it on that record and I loved it. I, was, I yeah. mean for that for that it was like well shit you're not going to get you know better than this so yeah no for sure they're. Uh... The the sixty five oh fives are great. I've had I had two of them. I sold them both just because I I had no use for them in my house. Sure. And too much stuff. Um, but I regret that's not it's not a regret that I can't replace fairly easily. Sure. But I should have just held on to them and it would have cost me two hundred dollars less to, right. <laughs> to yeah, pick right. it up. Well, let's face it, you know, as as far as metal tones, I am a traditionalist, a, a purist. I mean, an eight hundred with, you know, your choice of you know, uh, tube screamer in front of it, you know, whether yeah. that's a Klon or a KTR or an actual tube screamer or a TC electronics distortion booster, like Scott Ian. Um, for me, of course, that's the gold standard for sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, I didn't, you know, I just, I, I would, I, I was, you know, I was in, I was at in Richmond, Virginia, which is actually, I'm down the road from there right now. And uh, I kind of wanted that set up, but I was like, I'm not going to find an 800, you know, in Richmond, you know, here. So I was like, oh, fuck it. Not cheap. You're not. Not cheap. Not cheap. And I have, I have a few 800s at home. I have a bunch of 900s. And, you know, I want to use this platform to say 900s get a lot of hate and yep. it's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. 
Yeah. I like I the think, 900. I think it's one of those things that in the 90s, we were all so hooked on the 800s that sure. nobody gave the 900s a chance. And then we delved into that a bit with Stefan when he was on. See, him and, and I, he loves 900s too. Yeah. And, and you but know he what? Kind of, yeah. I'm sorry. He yeah. has my 900 that I left at the blasting room in 1995, right? It had been rebiased and there was something magic about it. I don't know what it was. So the Hackfish record, Watch the Lane Mass, we recorded with that 900 and a red box. So it was a direct in. Yeah, him and Bill loves that red box. Loves it. And so him and Bill still, uh, to them, that is the goal. That is the best guitar sound in the world. To the point of where they, the uh, Everything Sucks record, they use that exact rig. It's that Marshall 900. It's that red box. And it's Stefan's last Paul. At that point, Hackfish had gone back to do our second record, and Stefan and I were just reland. We were using the same gear. Like, seriously, he would just he would record some stuff for Everything Sucks. I would go in, use the exact same rig, even the guitar, and record <laughs> the Hackfish record. We were doing them at the same time. It's yeah, amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just think, you know, a 900 was like, okay, the, the thrash guys in the 80s were putting Tube Screamers in front of 800s. So Marshall solved the problem. I was like, okay, well, let's just turn the gain up. Let's put more gain yeah. in this. So yeah. when people argue with me about it, I'm like, well, you're going to put a fucking just, you know, distortion pedal in front of your 800 anyway. What, you know, yeah. which, which 900 do you have? I had the um, super reverb, like the, the, not the super reverb. I'm sorry. The, the dual uh, reverb, the dual reverb, the super reverb. Fuck. It's not a fender amp. Um, <laughs> the dual reverb. Yeah. The, the hundred Y. And then, you know, I actually ended up liking the 50 Watts more. So now I have like, I don't know. I have a lot of 900s actually, man. Um, yeah, scoop them up because they're they're gonna Six. get stupid yeah. in price like the eight hundreds are now. They are. I have two eight hundreds. I have a Jubilee. I have like six nine hundreds, uh, and I have. Uh, uh, well, my main amp out here is a JMP that's been hot rotted by a guy named Johnny Mears. Um, um, Johnny Mears from uh, he's a, a tech that works for. Um, uh, Brendan Smalls from Metalocalypse and and right, uh, yeah, yeah. any hot rods. Is Marshall. that your four the four input? It's it was an old four input that he made one input, but he's it's got like five gain stages and it. it's nuts. I mean, it is bananas. <laughs> um, I I had a massively hot rodded one that I sold to um, Josh Newton from Shine. Oh, I know Josh very well. Yeah, yeah. I loved I love Josh I and love and him. I'm already like pining for it. And I only sold it to him a couple of years ago, but um, he requested yeah, buying it back when we did the Josh Newton episode. Oh yeah. I saw that actually. <laughs> um, by the way, I mispronounced his name, Johnny Meyer, not Johnny Meyer, Johnny Meyer. Anyway, sorry. Um, he's a great, he's a great guy and he's a great technician. And I, I don't want to, you know, no, I'm, I'm lucky. Our company is Marshall in the, in North America now, okay. uh, or ha has been, we, you know, we do Marshall in Canada and, in the US. So I, I was able to pick up two of those studios. So I picked up a, an 800 studio and a Jubilee studio. Oh, wow. And they sound so good. I mean, as close as you're going to get. <laughs> and they're 20 watts. So I can fucking crank them yeah, yeah it's they're, they're kind of perfect and you know what i'm doing i'm i have a 800 stereo cab oh, so yeah. i'm just i'm running one through 212 left and one through 212 right and I'm, that's great i'm blending them together yeah it's pretty that's awesome. it's, it's what we do overloading yeah i'm those, down those to 1 800 one oh, really? i own one marshall i got rid of everything else at one point i had 
four or five eight hundreds and a jubilee. I had a jubilee full stack that was oh, museum wow. quality. It was immaculate. Yeah. Um, but I I was afraid to play it, so I sold it. Yeah, yeah it was mint. It sat with the covers on it in our garage when we Since lived eighty seven. Holy uh, shit! Until I bought it. Uh, well, you got to tell that story now, quick. So real quick story. So I saw it on eBay. I'd always wanted it. Uh, I was in a severe accident, lost a leg. Uh, oh, shit. After coming back from the trauma, I wanted to buy it. I need this. It's up right now. This is meant to be. I buy it. I get the story. So the guy, it was his son's. He bought it in 87, him and a bandmate. Uh, he passed away in his sleep about three, four months later of an aneurysm. Okay. And the guy left it in his room until I purchased it in 2005 or six. Holy um, shit. He, he reached out to the friend. The friend helped him get it on eBay and I bought it and it literally showed up with the paperwork in the original, um, wow. one of the, one of the original boxes and with the original covers still on them. Holy they were shit. like, it was, could be a showpiece at uh, Marshall. It was purchased by a doctor when I sold it. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I, I was afraid to play it out, but my, I'm down to one 800. I went from all the marshals and I just kept narrowing it down and said, I'm not going to, I keep going back to the same one. Yeah. There's no point. Doing that. It's like, what's the point? You know, I, in my rig now I have that, that JMP that's been the hot rod one and I have an 800 as my clean tone. So I, like, I just, you know, I, I channel switch just between the two because our, the rise against clean tone sounds like ACD. It's not not ACDC. It's not like clean. Right, it's like a, pu- it's a pushed clean. No, it is clean. Yeah. That's clean. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What we need for clean. <laughs> Throw it in for yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, speaking I of you, switching, you okay. uh you for a little while you were actually doing the uh the rock star thing. I, I don't I don't mean that in a shitty <laughs> way. We're all punk rock dudes, but you actually for a while had your pedals in a rack and you had a your tech switching. I, I can't imagine what that's like. I, I'd love to hear how well, he, how you pull that off. He's been with us for so long that he just he kind of offered. He was like, "Hey, dude, I know all of this is," and and I also trusted. I trust him with sort of artistic uh, license to. He would add little things as like a, you know, a little nudge and a wink, and it, and it was always fun and exciting. You know, we were on a, a six week tour, and you get this little kind of like, "Oh shit," you know what I mean? It was always kind of fun, but then you know, my inner Michael Shanker and Gary Moore started sort of. <laughs> nagging at me that I was like, you know what? I just want a simple, you know, four or five pedal pedal board in front of me. I, it's weird. The more technology grows and makes sense, let's face it, for a guy like me and doing what I do, it makes a lot of sense to play a Kemper profiler or a fractal or something like that, mm. or a line six helix or whatever that is. Yeah. You know. But I find my, I, I then answer that with becoming more and more of a Luddite. And, and I don't necessarily mean that, you know, to, to Shanker is to Luddite, but, <laughs> but it, it's, it, I go more Gibson Marshall pedals, MXR pedals, even, you know, yeah. um, I have a Klon KTR for my lead boost, yep. which is great. I have a cry, you know, a Dunlop cry baby Wong. I have an MXR phase 90 and as now, everybody should as everybody should because of eddie van halen um i was doing a carbon copy delay at mxr carbon copy delay but i also wanted to reverb so i am using a keely uh 
um, shit. I'm sorry, God, Achilles Caverns. Sorry, uh, with, with, you know, and it's really makes great one, stuff. They really do, and it's one pedal. And that's how that's how luddite I go. It's like I didn't even want to add two pedals to the board. It's one pedal <laughs> with two switches. So there's my river, there's my delay, and they both sound great. And it's easy, you know. Yeah. I I find that more and more because my lead boost, honestly, I go lead boost delay. That's my lead, or a crybaby. Right. You know, sometimes I'll do the I'll do the face ninety. But I realized I was having Jeff, my guy, basically do that shit. And I was like, I can do this. This is fine. But I didn't use pedals for the longest time. I just didn't do it. Yeah. Hackfish, Only Crime, Guar, I used Ah Crybaby for Guar. Because the guy I replaced, Pete, was a phenom genius from Dallas, Texas, that I grew up worshiping. He had a band called Sedition. It was like Dallas's speed, the Dallas thrash band. And... All of our like idol was a guy named Mike Scotia from Rigor Mortis. And Mike got sort of headhunted by Al Jorgensen. He went to ministry. So all through the 90s, if you were, you know, if you saw ministry, picked up a record, that was Mike yeah. Scotia. So Mike kind of showed us all how to he did this thing. It I wish we could have, I could show you YouTube clips right now, but he's the fastest double picker I've ever, ever seen. It's it's funny how fast he could double pick. It's like a hummingbird wing. It wings. It's <laughs> unbelievable. But Mike passed away on stage in the middle of a guitar solo. Why? Wow. Yeah. Just went out. That's it's the a, way to go. I mean, it's a yeah, Viking, there's a way to go. It's a Viking's way to go, my friend. For sure. It is, it's the way I want to go. <laughs> For sure. I hear but, about those stories like Mark Sandman from that band Morphine. Yeah. He also he also went on stage in front of the crowd. I'm like, that's wow. that's how you do it, man. That's yeah, you, you know what? They all accomplished something. Gigi Allen couldn't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just go on stage, buddy. If you're gonna go, you know. So you are a lover, like we are as well. And it's probably because we were all influenced by the same bands. Uh, of Dan Armstrong's. I do love him. I do. And, and I heard a story that you had bought a, like a lot of parts. Well, no. Okay. So I was going to Stefan and I were actually um, Stefan found this. I don't even know how the fuck he found it, but in the seventies they did wooden ones. Yep. So there was, there was like a cache of, 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 I, I don't know how this guy got them. I don't know. But I mean, the the idea got discontinued at some point. So there was bodies and necks and some dude bought the remainder. So there was like some complete guitars and a lot that were in parts. Mm -hmm. And these were the wooden ones, mind you. So the, the cool, clear ones. And Stefan just, you know, out of the clear blue was like, dude, and he, you know, but the guy wouldn't ship. You had to go get him. And I believe it was in England. So he oh, was like, oh, wow, we're going to we'll put our, our like some cool new logo on the headstock and we're going to start. So, you know, whatever. Um and I mean, he's Stefan, so I'm like, I'm ready to go down any rabbit hole with him. Like, you fucking, you know, captain, my <laughs> captain, you know, whatever you want. Well, let's do it. But I, you know, I, my my affinity for them started because I was such a huge Stefan fan in the first place, and Greg Ginn. Um, and I just thought it was so amazing that these guitars that, for the most part, people didn't give a shit about for the longest time because they were ugly, yeah. which I thought they were beautiful. Yep. Um, that these guys were focusing on this and doing this like this is my guitar and i don't know if you ever play those guitars i mean oh, if yeah. you 
if you tune them while you're sitting down and then you stand up, they're out of tune. Like the way that neck joint hits the body, it's just, I mean, you know, and so all those guys used to, there's Carruthers guitars out in um, Venice beach. And he used to put a Schaller or Shaler tunable bridge mm-hmm. and trim locks. And then whatever pickup you wanted because of that weird ramp thing that yeah. you know the the the, the pedal uh, pickup goes into. Did he build an insert for it or did he like they shoe, would just shoe goo it in? No, they would just screw the fucking thing, you know, just <laughs> oh, right the, to the plexus. Right yeah. 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 And so I had that done to one that got stolen. Um, I currently have a 68 that was Jamie Pena from the band The Chemical People. Oh, I love oh, Jamie's yeah. guitar playing. What yeah. an underrated guitar player. Yeah, he really is. He really underrated is. Underrated band. Yeah. The band as a whole. Yeah. Super underrated band. And so yeah. I have one of his. I've got just about every record, every seven inch, it's all the original. True. That song, Donuts. Is Two like inch that. peckers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The last night I got home. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was obsessed with that shit, like cruise record stuff. As yeah, is evidence, we we I mean, we're all the same with that. Yeah. If you listen to Hackfish, it's pretty goddamn. You know, we were ripping that shit off. Like yeah. that's there was no bones about it. Um, you know, we grew up. That was our thing. You know, anything Bill and Steph in touch, we were just that was our stuff. Um, but anyway, so you know what? What was good was the reissues. Um, the 2008 Dan Armstrong reissues that Ampeg did, they were really good. And there was the ones that, that was my microphone. Uh, there was, there was ones that, that were straight up reissues that had the, like the weird bridge with like the pop stick, yeah. kind of like the Dan yeah, with the wood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then there were the ones that they updated the bridge. So it was actually sort of like a two piece not a tunomatic so much, but but like an actual bridge that you could adjust. You could, you know, yeah, you could intonate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one of those, and those are great. I loved them. And they did they everything else was like a VOS, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. like the vintage old stock. They had the same pickup, the country one and the humba and you know, all that shit. Um, but they just that's the one the I had as well. That the reissue with the better bridge. Yeah, and- with the better bridge. And you know, we toured with the Foo Fighters and Grohl was using like the reissue. And his tech was just like sharpieing around the wooden piece to, you know, quote unquote, intonate it. He was like, you just kind of have to troubleshoot it. And that's the one he was using. And I was like, dude, they have one with a better bridge, you know? <laughs> Come on, man. Make a call. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I ended up picking up a um, an Electra re, uh, like vintage one. Oh, yeah, yeah, so It's yeah. an Electra but somebody put, I, I don't know if you remember, Ampeg did a bunch of maple neck wooden body versions. Oh. So it's actually a, a oh, wait, solid. No. Yes, I have three of those. And what am I saying? I'm like, oh, they did? I have two black ones and a white <laughs> one, and they're great. Those yeah. are fucking great. <laughs> so mine is an Electra clear body, which has like, I mean, it's just hazy now because it, wow. it's, you know, the, the plastic's just, you know, probably chemically coming apart right uh with one of those maple necks oh i remember uh nate newton commented he's like you sure that's real i've never like i've never seen one with a maple neck i'm like no it's one of the necks somebody did a frankenstein job but it's the best i'm gonna get until i can get like a a a a neck right rosewood fingerboard to like pop onto it but speaking of those bridges wasn't kurt didn't Kurt like make a bridge for those? 
blue? He did. He did. Because I think Nate had it on his. Yeah. And he also made he also made a pickup rack like like mount. That was the other pickup well. like caddy, pickup yeah. caddy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is just I mean that's very Kurt, yeah. you know that's very Kurt. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I had <laughs> a Greco, I had a Greco reissue that was actually really good. It had like oh, a, a really straight nice. up like humbucker, and it was like just a regular sort of Telly style bridge, yeah. or you know a Strat style that wasn't a you know like a tremolo bridge, you know, like the hardtail Strat bridge. And we still, because we love those guys so much, we tried to route it to put a Shaler bridge in it the way that those like stefan and jamie and those guys had done right. we didn't we didn't know him that well that's i was like you know we were kids and our drummer he he didn't lock the bit in so he his first thing like almost went all the way through the guitar do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. it was supposed to only be like a quarter edge like, you know. i still play the fucking thing he got it in there i was like yeah, all right awesome dude yeah. i love greco's love yeah 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 it's good shit man anyway i could talk about that shit all day and i realized i trailed off earlier i used a crybaby i used a crybaby in guar because pete lee had used a crybaby because mike scotia had used a crybaby if i don't my ocd if i don't go back and like okay i'll listen to this eventually and go god damn i was just rambling so (laughs) to tie that up you know all good all good so so then what was your, when you graduated from that, if you had the Tiesco and the Bandit, whatever it was you were playing at yeah. that point, like, what did you move up to? What was your first, like, real solid setup there that you would think was your first real solid setup? Well, it was PV amps because of Texas and Sherman right. and all that stuff for a long time. I actually do remember I got, I got an SG special, like, like Pete Townsend, somehow my, the headstock had been broken, had a screw in it. We got it at a pawn shop. Um, and then that started a steady succession of like trading guitars and stuff. Right. And then, you know, I was a thrash metal kid. So I had a Charvel Model 4. Um, mm. I had the really cheap BC Rich Mockingbird, the, uh, I, I want to say the Rave series. I'm going to say. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Super shitty. Um, always pretty shitty guitars, you know, but that did get an 84 Flying V which on my podcast, uh, it's there's a picture of me, like the artwork is me at like 15 with this 84 flying bee that had like oh, that. Yes, I saw that picture. Yeah, it has the Kaler, I had the Kaler on it and stuff. Plug the um, podcast, Anti-Heroes yeah, what, what podcast. What podcast would this be? Oh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, it's called the Anti-Heroes podcast. It's very similar to your podcast, but we did not, we just kind of all just did our own thing. And, and I think we're like, we're sort of quietly tributing each other. We'll just say that. Love absolutely I, and i i know we, i couldn't be in better company i you're you're both lovely gentlemen you're here <laughs> we feel the same of you thank you well and so i went down a steady you know succession of like trading guitars and doing all that shit and i can't even remember all the ones i had i remember at one point i had an explorer that somebody had checkerboarded like like uh oh, like rick, rick nielsen nielsen yeah and taking a humbucker out of it i, I was just I, I thought about that guitar the other day. I was like, holy shit, I totally forgot. There was uh, fortunately some really cool places in Dallas. Like my dad would take us down to Dallas to get our gear and stuff. And I remember I had an Ibanez RG that, and I'm not kidding, this guy had a an original, like a 78 Silver Burst, like, like custom, like a last ball custom. He traded me even. Because he was like, nobody, nobody likes that color. And then I fucking got rid of it for some stupid shit, something else, you know, 
but as far as you know professionally when i really actually started getting at it i i when hackfish sort of started happening um oh my god it's 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 so hard to remember like what actual amps i was playing what sticks out is we got money we started like actually working and touring and playing and we got signed to a major label because every every label in the 90s wanted a pop punk band because of green day even though we were in our head we were just trying to rip off cruise records and what we were talking about yeah everybody but, aspired to be big drill car exactly i mean and why wouldn't you you know yeah, why and why everyone you? should i mean frank daly jesus christ what a it was it it breaks my heart that that band wasn't bigger i remember yeah. watching big drill car at a reunion show with tom delong and tom delong was talking to me about how he was going to basically coach them along to be he was like they were always supposed to be the biggest band in the world i was like i fully agree with you anyway okay that's uh i bought again that, we're in agreement right we bought i bought that 900 head that I ended up leaving at the blasting room in 1995, but I bought that thing in the early nineties. Um, and I had uh 76 Gibson SG, which I still have Norlin era. The neck is so thin. It's like one of the old jazz bass necks, you know, where it's like, yeah, right. It's, it's That's like our neck, man. It's, we're it's, all, we're on the same wave. Like we love those slim taper 70 yes. SG necks, yeah. yes. but it's not a That's regular slim shit. taper. It's a very, that You're Norland right. slim taper, whatever you want, that slim neck that Norland did, it's a beast. It, There's something all, different about its it. Own. Yeah. And you can order a slim neck, slim taper neck right now. It's never going to be the same. No. And that one, you know, actually, Britt Nash, I had him take the paint off the back of it, you know, to be like, you know, just sat wood sand. So it kind of shaved it down just a bit more. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I love it. I have a small hands, you know, I have really, really tiny hands. Um, so that was like, my thing in the 90s and then i i got it because we had had some money i got a, a original dan armstrong the one that got stolen i had a gibson flying v i had a strat you know i had like a bunch of guitars all at the same time and I, because i have you know add i just wanted a whole bunch of you know things because i was always just one guitar guy forever you know and i would have to trade that in to get something else yep but but yeah my sg it looked like a bass boat it was some guy a, a guy in houston that ended up working for the fender custom shop had figured out how to do this glitter job that was like like really thick flake glitter yeah and it was uh like a silver glitter and that was my sg in, in the 90s that i used forever oh yeah. wow I also had a, a Sonic Blue, like 81 Les Paul Standard, that was a color they offered for very long, you know, because it was the 80s, so it was like appealing to, and I traded that for a car, and I've always, oh. kicked, I've always kicked myself about it. Yeah, but you kind of needed the car at the time. I needed the car, but it broke, it broke down, like, immediately, <laughs> fucking immediately. Ugh. Yeah. And I was never, that I blue, so, like. Would that have been one of the custom color? Didn't they do like a custom colors series, Les Paul? I, I remember Ke uh, Kevin Seconds, they had like a bubblegum pink one. Yeah. Like I, they did I like believe. pink, yellow, blue. It was to appeal to like, you know, New Romantic or or the New Wave, you know, thing. Yeah. Or they, Makes or sense. Like I remember Elliot Easton in the cars was always using, you know, odd colored, you know, Gibsons, things like yeah. that. And so that's what it was. And God, I would love to see. I have so many of the ones that got away. That's definitely one. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got the the silver burst Les Paul. We've got the blue Les Paul. So far, it's Les Pauls. It's all Les Pauls, man. 
<laughs> I try. I try to do other shit. It's always SGs or Les Pauls. So you being a gear. So by the way, you just said something that I think about often, and I think Dan and I we kind of talk. We look at each other and go, ha, 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 ha. you know, we like laugh like evil villains. Could you? And I. This sounds so stupid. It sounds so shitty. I, I hate that it's coming out of my mouth. Could you imagine just owning one guitar? again one guitar one amp and being like that's my sound and that's what i do i mean no but i would love to be able to imagine that <laughs> I, I mean think you that's know, the point yeah it's like a when sickness I, when i get to a show and i've used the same pick i i i congratulate myself i i'm embarrassed at how much i congratulate myself <laughs> and i and i have done it you know i have done it and i'm like Fuck yeah. And I like I like that means something about me as an adult or you know, a human or like I've really contributed to, you know, save plastic or whatever. Um, there's no virtue to it at all. But but it goes to that. It speaks to that. Like like if 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 I could be a professional guitar player and go, that's my guitar and that's my amp. And because there's guys that do that, Brian May, his original number one, right? Yeah. He could actually be Brian May with that guitar and a Vox AC30. He That's could. It. And did you see his his Vox his actual Vox AC30? No, there's no controls. Oh, he, when he did his, it's something. When he did his model for Vox, it has one knob. No shit. It's just on. That's it. And see, but that's I guess he has his main one at whatever point was like hardwired to just be what it was. Which is great. That's becoming a thing, though. Um, you guys, you know Marcus King. I don't know him, but I, I you, you, you know, you I'm know working. Of... I'm working with banker guitars now. I'm having some stuff. Uh, I can't talk about it yet because yeah, whatever, no but, problem. Uh, but uh, because might me, look like a Dan Armstrong. Trust me, I really <laughs> want to talk about it. But uh, but we we'll have you actually, back on when you can. I, yes. Please, please. Do. We, I was talking to Matt Hughes at Banker Guitars, who's a genius, brilliant. Um, you know, the world needs Matt Hughes. Um, he was, we were just talking about, uh, I guess Marcus King uses his stuff as well. So, so. Marcus, and I think he's a genius. He's a Marcus King's. Amazing. He is a badass guitar yeah. player. He's got, he's for a 20 something year old kid. This kid's got the soul of a 60 year old yeah, blues. Man. Um, right. and his new signature orange. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. Three knobs. It's literally three knobs that you can't really say like one's EQ, one's drive, yeah. one's volume. Like they just interact with each other perfectly so you can get all these different tones. But I think that's kind of this new thing is minimalistic. The amp is tuned to do what it's supposed to do. Right. And you've got a volume and go for it. Or like Stefan, you don't have a volume and you use a volume pedal and go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I know I always want the same thing. I, I'm not, not going to fuck with my controls. I know I, in my head, I've had the same tone <clears throat> through whatever band, maybe in Guara I added more gain, but where my mids are, where my bass is, where my treble is, where my present, you know, all that, that's never changed. It's still the thing I hear in my head. So if I could hardwire all that shit and not even have the option, why not? You know, yeah. um, I'm a big I, I'm a big fan of that. You know, I'm a fan of, again, Michael Shanker, who used a crybaby at half cocked, and that was his lead boost. And then he turned it off. He didn't want it. You know what I mean? And that's right. all he had. That's all he did. 
I love that, you know, because then it's like shaving your head like me, because <laughs> then if someone thinks like, thankfully, my wife thinks I'm attractive, but it's, it's not because of anything I'm doing. It's like actually my face, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing else. <laughs> so with that, it's like, it's like, I'm, it doesn't forgive you. You know what I mean? It's not, it's an unforgiving thing is if you fuck up, you're going to hear it. You know, I'm making this as hard on myself as I can, essentially, you know, because delay is forgiving. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. distortion is forgiving. Yeah, that's and why I'll, I use all of it. Exactly. And I'll turn on delay for a lead, you know, because let's face it, that's a lead tone. You know, that's you get a little bit of delay, you know, but I try to not forgive myself too much. It's like I don't want to rest on that. Yeah. You know, um, do you ever uh, you ever listen to band six going on seven? No. Uh -uh. Such a great band. Um, Walter, Walter, Matt Pincus, the, the, and Sammy the label that they had some records they put out the oh. six going on seven. Oh, record. Okay, okay. Boston band and the guitar player played a Jaguar through a fender twin with no distortion. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so he want to talk about not forgiving. Yeah. Want to talk about not yeah. forgiving. Exactly. And they were a three piece uh, bass player sang. Right. Uh, super minimal. I'm trying to more, huge. turn more light on, by the way, guys. I'm sorry. You can edit <laughs> oh, that, that's no problem. I'm, it's getting, nah, no as it's getting darker, I realize I'm disappearing here. <laughs> um, but I mean, super not forgiving. And I walked up to him one night, they were playing Maxwell's and I was like, holy shit, you've got great hands. Like, I know I would personally never be able to get up on stage with that setup and not sound like I was stumbling all over the Dude, place. Dude, I mean, look at Andy Gill from Gang of Four. Yeah. yeah, it was it was glassy, you know, it was so loud and clean. It's just like, man, good luck. Or Dwayne Dennison from Jesus Lizard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was a little bit of game. Yeah, a little game. But you're also talking about a complete genius, you know, and that's that's yeah. the kind of guitar players I love. You know, yeah. those are the guys that, again, maybe they're not getting recognized. They're not getting recognized for what they're bringing to it, but they're in their own world and they're gonna make their contribution no matter if they get recognized in their lifetime, IRL as it would, <laughs> or, or posthumously, they don't care. It's like, yeah. it's the way that somebody like say, you know, Picasso or whoever made art in their lifetime that maybe they weren't as, well, Picasso was of course, but um, Van Gogh or whoever that wasn't as respected in their time but way more respected after they had passed because people then realized they were so ahead of their time it took years after they were dead for somebody to go oh my god that was mind-blowingly genius yeah. yeah 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 well that was like uh what's the who's that big soho artist basquiat no keith uh oh harry oh, keith caring yeah yeah keith caring yeah. Yeah, not as appreciated in his time you know no no not, not remotely not remotely yeah. and his stuff was all over the city he was doing all those uh uh, crack is whack yeah, crack uh, all is the whack. all the aids and uh crack stuff that he did all over the city Absolutely. i saw that, uh, some leather jacket that he painted on the back ended up on like fucking pawn stars and ended up being worth like ridiculous oh, amount of money of course yeah. it's just that adherence to their own art and their own voice and their own what they are trying to say while they're on the earth and i i just i think it's genius anyway yeah. Yeah. i will keep i will keep going so um <laughs> We have had, and I know you listen to, and by the way, we're blown away. Thank you so much for Thank listening for to the podcast. Me. And, yeah. uh, but we, so we've had some fun stories. Like I had no idea. We've known Gavin. Dan has known Gavin Van Vlack a hell of a lot longer than I have for burn. 
and we we anybody who wants to go back to his episode, he bought a guitar from Billy Gibbons on St. Mark's Place. Um, like I had no idea that story ever happened. So the more we dive into these, do you have like a crazy gear acquisition story that you yes. like look back on and go, holy shit, that happened? Oh, he said well, yes real quick. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So as I have said, we we we've done Rise Against has been lucky enough to do some things with the Foo Fighters. And I've known Chris Shiflett, their guitar player, for 30 years. Hackfish was on Fat Records and, you know, would play with uh, No Use for a Name, which is the band he was in before Foo Fighters. Yep. So it's always this big, you know, this great, you know, love fest when we tour together. And, and um, I, like everybody else that plays punk rock or metal or, you know, or counterculture, uh, love Pat Smear. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love the germs? Who doesn't love Pat Smear? But he is one, you know... And it's one of those things where I sort of, I, I, uh, I, I'm not going to go, Hey, what's going on, Pat? Because, you know, I revere him, you know, and it's, he's, he's in that upper echelon, you know what I mean? It's not like uh, right. my peers, you You're know, not allowed to look him straight in the eye. Right. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, even, even like my mentors, Bill and Stefan and those guys in the descendants, even they sort of look, you know, the germs were predated them a little bit. So they were going to see germ shows. Well, so we we weren't even on tour with them. I think the Foo Fighters came through Austin, Texas, and Pat had what looked like an SG and a Les Paul mix, but it wasn't like the Yamaha SG-1000. This was an exact SG body, but it was binded, and it was contoured on the top, and it was fat, like a Les yeah. Paul, flat back, contoured on the top, uh, the one he had was a cherry sunburst, um, and he even had the and like uh, the bracket pick guard. So you know because it was contoured, the, the pick guard was hanging off the side, had a bracket. And I thought, well, he's Pat's mirror, so that is a custom shop Gibson thing that's blowing my mind. It's amazing. It's, that's the coolest guitar I've ever seen in my life. But I noticed he had some other ones in his boat, and they had dots on the on the the fretboard. The one he had had trapezoids, so it was confusing. Mm -hmm. And the headstock, I looked at the headstock, headstock was, was different. It was a three-on-three, three, but it wasn't a Gibson headstock. So I had to find out what this thing was. And even though we had toured with him a bunch, I'd still, it was like, hey, what's going on? Um, I just went, was like, what the fuck is that? Well, his tech is also a buddy, so, you know. And it turns out it was a Robin Artisan. So Robin, the company from Houston, Texas, that made like shredder guitars in the 80s. Right. So, um, dude from not Red Beach from Winger, but uh, Slaughter, the guy in Slaughter, he used Robin guitars. Oh, okay. He yeah. had the, it was him in the ad in, yes. in Guitar yes. Player. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. See, you and me, Dan. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of nerdy shit that, that, yeah, we smell our own, my friend. We smell our own. <laughs> um, so, right. But, you know, they, they were like one of those companies that, that weren't as big as ESP or Kramer or any of the other things, but they were doing that thing. So they had made this guitar. And I would suppose because it is a dead on SG just with Les Paul properties that maybe they got a cease and desist. I don't know, but I was obsessed with this fucking thing now. So I started researching them and realized there was only 250 of them made. They made them in black. They made them in a cherry and a cherry sunburn, like a, like a, 
a cherry sunburst, and they made a tobacco sunburst. And they had made a gold top and called it the soloist before it was the artisan. All of these were on reverb, but all of the auctions were over. Like, you couldn't fucking find one to save your life. So I was obsessed now. And so I got on the reverb, you know, you can watch a guitar or whatever you in when it comes up anywhere, it notifies you. So that happened about a year or two after this whole thing. So this was during pandemic and I had to have it. This man in Florida um, got the guitar. He didn't put a like a, like that it required a signature, right? Okay. And so it got delivered to my house and I have a Nest Cam. And I mean, within 30 minutes of it getting delivered, some car pulls into my driveway, guy gets out, grabs it, throws it in his car, takes off, right? Uh, this guitar that there's only 250 of them made. Uh, now, these guitars were made in like the Samic factory. You know, they they feel like a cheaper guitar, but they right, it's so an import. Cool. It's an import guitar. Yes, I would I would strongly advise googling Robin Artisan because it is the coolest looking guitar. Actually, while we're on while you're telling the story, I look there's there is one on Reverb right now. It's an amber top, flame top, but it's the dots, so it must be right. the standard, not well, the custom. But here's the thing: I found out there's not a standard or a custom. Pat had those trapezoid. He had a different oh. fretboard put on one of them. So oh, it was wow. confusing. It was confusing, right? But are you you looking at one that looks like a little newer? Because the older ones, the actual 80s models have the pick guards and they are like so much cooler. Looking. It has the pick guard with the bracket and it says Robin Artisan 84. And it's available right now. <laughs> yeah, I think we just made a love connection, folks. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll send you a link. Sorry, do. I just bought it. So sending it to you in the chat. Okay. Okay. So, right. So I got, I, you know, shows up, I get it. Get stolen from my fucking, my front porch. So I'm just crestfallen. I'm just crestfallen. Right. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's not there. It's, it's sold. Oh, it looked like an active. Yeah, sorry. Do you see how cool that guitar is? Yeah, yeah, it's red. It's so with the great the binding makes it on on that right. Yeah, and it's fat. Like it's it's you know, okay, got stolen. So I file a police report. I do the whole thing, right? I put out a Facebook thing. A public Facebook thing. My Facebook is just like for my friends and family. I don't even have, you know, I'm not on social media. I don't even have an Instagram. I'm the only one in Rise Against that doesn't have an Instagram, all that shit. So I'm I'm desperate. Just like I wanted this fucking thing so bad. And doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Uh, took months, months. And people hitting me up all the time. They're looking in pawn shops for me, you know. Well, long story short, I get a text from a number I don't have, and it's just what what was the serial number on your on your Robin Artisan? I didn't know who it was, and I go, it was number thirty. Who's this? And the voice in the the text just said, "How about number 15? And I go, "What?" And I said, "Did you steal my guitar?" And 
that's ha 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 ha, and then a picture, and then the headstock, the the serial number, number fifteen. It was Pat Smear. He sent me his. Oh, that's no way. So cool. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have his number. He didn't have my number. I mean, I I never did that with him. Do you know what I mean? And he that says, is "Amazing, isn't that crazy?" So that's cool. Pat Smear is one of is 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 one of the great ones. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. And then and then the story just had, you know, it's now it means so much to me. You know what I mean? I'll never get rid of that fucking thing. What color? What color is it? It was the same exact the exact same one that I had gotten that got stolen as a cherry sunburst. Yeah. Amazing. That's so, anyway. so cool. That, yeah. Not many people are gifted a uh, a guitar like that. I know. From a legend. Yeah. We uh we actually we do the Pat Smear um we do Hagstrom in the US. So oh. we, have, we we do his his signature Hagstroms which are a very similar guitar. Sure. Well, um, he had, he had also told me, you know, his for his his aesthetic of guitar is two points. He always has to play a guitar with two points. You know what I mean? Which I think it's great. Yeah, he loves those. And it's based on an old Hagstrom H3 or H2. Yeah. Yeah. His first, his, you know, the guitar he played in the germ. Yeah, yeah, he he loves those double cuts. But again, those guys, those real guys, they would find a guitar and that was their guitar. Because there were so many weird one-off guitars, you know, whether it be yeah. the Ovation Breadwinner or the Dan Armstrong or whatever it might be. And those guys, Pat Smear found that weird Hagstrom. No one else played it. That's the one I'm going to play. Dan Armstrong, you know, Greg Ginn, no one else plays it. Johnny Ramone, the Ventures mo Model 2. The you know, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, the Vin yeah, well, the Ventures, yeah. Ventures yeah, yeah. Model 2. No one else played it. I'm going to play that one. And of course, usually it's because it was the cheapest one in the store. But because of that, no one else had it. And that yeah. became that guy's guitar. I Not one that. of those dudes went, I'm going to put this guitar on the map. Right. But they put that guitar but on. But they ended up putting that fucking guitar on the map. Yeah. John McGeeock with the Yamaha SG-1000. You know, yes, of course, Carlos Santana was playing those as well. But I just love the fact that John McGeeock played them too, you know. And that, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ugh. we we talked about a cool gear acquisition story. Some of my favorite stories are actually this is one of Dan's favorite questions. I'm sorry I'm stealing it from you, but what is the worst piece of gear you've ever had? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's a really good one. That's a really good one. I love I love the honest answers. That's the best part of this is the people that are just like, yeah, this thing was a real piece of crap. You know, when I was when I was tr just trying to be Stefan when I was a kid, and Stefan and I talked about it in my podcast, but we we the anti heroes podcast, by the way, um, which I've heard and it's fantastic, well yeah, recommended. Well, I'm so sorry to regurgitate a lot of that shit, but you know, um, at it. We have at least nine people listening. So, oh, okay, good. good. Uh, Maybe there'll be some cross cross. My dad collateral. Yeah, yeah. My dad listens. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it was the um, the ADA power amp and preamp. So the ADA preamp, right? And they just did not sound good. And it was sort of a same one Stefan was using. Yes, and I did it just because of Stefan. And I used one. You know, I could do all these things. I used this this one 
you know, so, I mean, you know, shame on me. I didn't fucking really understand the goddamn thing, but it was a precursor to what is now amp, you know, uh, profilers, yeah. you know, um, For sure. just a, a primitive version of it, but they did not sound good. I mean, at least, you know, in my, no, but you could use the, the effect that it sounded like you were underwater playing breathe oh, by all. Right. That's right. You could. It's a, it's a very important effect that nobody's ever replicated. Right. You could do that. You're the right. world needs more underwater guitar plunking. Right. <laughs> I just, you know, I got it to that one tone and I used that and I was just like, why am I even fucking using this thing? You know, why don't I just try to find a Marshall somewhere, you know? So th- th- this is another one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, we, we've already talked about a ton of gear, so I'm just going to ask it now. Just to limit you, what would your like desert island setup be then? Uh, if you only had three pieces of gear that you could, uh, that you had to live off of, we kind of touched on being the guys that had one guitar. I right. can't answer it myself. I don't, I, I think right. I'd rather just drown myself <laughs> than have to choose. It would be the easier option. I mean, you know, I'll go with like, what, what, what if, what do I need to make a show work? just to make a show work. And it would have to be a a Gibson guitar because I couldn't just, you know, oh, it's just gonna be a Les Paul. Because, you know, I I can make an SG work, I can make Gibson uh, a Les Paul work, I could make, you know, I would rather it not be a studio. Or, or I'd rather be at least a standard or a custom of any of those models. But if it was an Explorer, fuck it, you know, bring it on. Um, so we're gonna give you a modern. So you're gonna play. Oh. You're gonna play a modern. Yeah. You no said shit. any. Well, then I would just have to kick my own ass because I would look like a dipshit. Um. So I think that, and I'm gonna fucking say, and Brian Baker is gonna listen to this, and he's gonna call me a fucking asshole. But a nine hundred. Your mouth to God's ears that he actually knows about this podcast. He's not one of our listeners. <laughs> I'll I'll send him the I'll send him the episode. He has been giving me shit about playing nine hundreds forever, which I don't even do anymore. I don't even do for the longest time at nine hundred. I don't even do it anymore. I mean, Brian is an eight hundred motherfucker, like it's eight hundred or nothing. Which is why I, I get got eight hundreds. Totally, I get it. I have an 800 in my rig now. I have a JMP in my rig. He approves. I was like, oh, thank you. you know, <laughs> he came by. He was like, okay, this, this is good. So blessed by the but if I dude. right, no, it's true. But 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 to make a like let's say a rise against show work, I know I could do it with a Les Paul and a 900 and a 412 cabinet. I don't have to have a pedal. I don't, you know, I know I can make a show work on that. Now I we're talking about rise against, you know? So if it was an 800, I would need more gain. And that's my thing. So if you said three pieces of gear, well, I would have to add, a, you know, some sort of a boost pedal. I would have to goose my gain and put it in front of the preamp. You know, I would have to have a little more gain because we have more gain than a, a normal 900. Now, if we're going to get nerdy about it, maybe that 800 has been hot rotted, you know, hey, I'll, then I'll use, you I'll use call, an 800. Yeah, your island, your gear. Okay, my 800 is hot rodded. You know what? My it's it's my JMP, my hot rodded JMP with five gain stages. That's my head. Right. That's a lot of gain I'll stages. I'll take 
it's a lot. I only I don't use fucking five game switches. But um, if I was ever gonna, you know, it's funny. This head I used in Guar as well, and it had the the Van Halen, the Eddie Van Halen like brown sound mod, which you know just crapped out eventually. And Johnny Johnny Mayer did this new, which is pretty much the Dookie mod. You know, the Dookie mod that they right. do to. It's pretty much that. It's like what Brian Brian had it done to a head as well. So it's pretty much that. Um, it's just a, more gain than you can ever like. The fifth gain stage sounds like a goddamn like octafuzz or something there's so much gain it's just you know yeah you can't do anything with it the buzz Um, basically yeah uh so i would say a les paul a standard or a custom no studio um my jmp and i'm gonna go with a mesa 412 75 i like the mesa yeah, I lo- yes, exactly. I like Mesa cabinets, although I do have very good Marshall cabinets um, out with us. You know, the, the standard stock Marshall cabinet, the stock slash Marshall selection, uh, I think the V12s, whatever they have in there the now. The vintage 30s? Yeah. The well, 12 GT 75s. The, 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 12, oh, the 75s. The, the, the yeah. 12 GTs, yeah. They're really good. You know, just yeah. a stock Marshall cabinet. We have yeah. just stock, we we bought them stock, and at first it was like, you know, we're gonna have to recone those just because the way I think, you know, with any you get a Les Paul, like oh, I'm gonna have to put some more Duncans in it. Um, but man, they came out of the box pretty fucking honking. Um, I just like Mesa. I've gotten so used to that that Marshall head and Mesa Boogie 412 combo. So I think those would be my three. Yeah, the that difference be being basically the same speakers the north american tone woods compared to the the european woods depending on when and where the the boogies are built the 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 box itself is just built like a monster and and they definitely sound i love that oversized box if that's that's the one you mean my exact point exactly that i like i don't know if you guys think the same thing but to me it it, it sounds to me and maybe i'm in, I'm, I'm crazy it they they are intrinsically more low indie yeah. yeah you know if i'm gonna palm mute you know downstroke palm mute and chug i feel like i'm getting moved a little bit like more. a subwoofer yeah. it almost feels like yeah yeah because you know there's more wood there's actually physically more wood moving you know what i mean because the, the box yeah. is bigger so i'm gonna well, say my opinions on V30s are different depending on if you're talking about in the oversized recto cab or sure. in another cabinet. And as much as I like V30s, if if it's in a regular Marshall cab, I can play G12 T75s or V30s and I get a little bit of difference out of them, but I like sure. them both. I, yeah, I like if you both. give me the option of the oversized recto with those V30s in it. Yeah. That's the end of the discussion. I take that. I fully agree day. with you. I like them both too, but if I had a preference, if I'm my druthers, it is the Mesa cabinet. I had two of the oversized. So I don't know if you remember, but Mesa used to do the road ready cabinets and they were yep. smaller. They were like smaller 412. We have fatter. the double 15 base and cabinets. They weigh twice as much. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, they do. But when I was in Guar, we had, we were dealing with uh, Mesa and it was Sean Beresford back then. I don't know if you know Sean Beresford, but I haven't talked to Sean forever. Anyway. I asked him if they could do the oversized regular recto cab in a, in a road ready enclosure. And they did for me. 
uh, they was like, man, we really don't do that. We did it for one other person. I can't remember who it was at the time. And I was like, can you do it? And he's like, sure. I have to, I have two of them. I still have them. Oh, they're nice. not out with me now. They're 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 at home. Yeah, I'll take a picture and send them to you. Yeah, please yeah. do. It's pretty rad. So yeah, I'm going to awesome. send you on a cabinet um, rabbit hole. I'm going to send you sort of on a um, scavenger hunt. Okay. okay. So I have a that I bought for a hundred bucks. It was such a great steal. I bought a JCM 800 412 base series cabinet. Oh, shit. so they did the base. It's a 412, but it says base series and it's got um, 65 watt speakers in them. Holy fuck. So it's not as tight as a 75. It's not as loose as a 30. It's kind of a perfect. It's got a little jangle but it's still right. tight. So if you can find any of those JCM 800 base series cabs, swipe them up. If, if it, as long that. as it has the, the regular speaker, you know, the speakers that came in it. I'll send um, you both on one. And you probably know this because you guys are like your, your level of, of, of nerdum is, is more than I was uh, ready to deal with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it's a compliment. Cra I like it crazy. Impressive. Crazy. So, I don't know if you're no means no fans. Yeah, no sure. No? Yep. Rob Wright, that bass player, you know, he's had the best bass tone, distorted bass tone. It is a solid state Jubilee bass head. Yep. Gibby so, has and, one. But it was, yeah, and it was rack mounted. So yep. my buddy Jeff Matz from uh, High on Fire, he had one and he got rid of it. Now I want one of those real bad. And, but they're still really cheap. They're solid state Jubilee rack mount fucking Marshall Basehead. I want one of those so bad. Our yeah. friend Chris Gibson, actually Gibby, he does sound for, for he did sound for quicksand for years. Oh, okay. Uh, also owns a recording studio called uh, Upstart. Upstart Studios in Hoboken, Hoboken, right on right on water. Um, he's got one of those, and that was the studio bass rig, and it fucking sounded oh, amazing. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. mean, I it's if if you sound like John John Wright, you can't go wrong. I uh That's I great. missed That's out funny. on buying a full the full stack uh by about 10 minutes on a Craigslist ad once, and it still pisses me off. Uh it was the it's like a 115. 410 and that head oh, amazing amazing had, bass room you, no no did, i missed out on it. it it was about 10 minutes the guy's like oh, i sold it 10 minutes ago it's like ah well see now we can all commiserate now we have robin artisans we have that head <laughs> yep. so we'll just you know i feel like i feel a text thread happening oh absolutely <laughs> i'm in i'm in uh, uh, so um we've got so much more to cover but this is can, going this is going real long we can do another one Let's do a number Absolutely. two, definitely. <laughs> I'm in um, three. We we four. thank you so much. I know you're on tour right now when we're catching you, like in between things. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And um, let's definitely do this again when you get home. Take I would love to. Time. I would absolutely love it. Anytime you guys want me, this is right up my alley. So y'all, y'all uh, let me know. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. All right. Take care. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Take care, Dan. Yeah. Take care, James.